everybody. Welcome to Read This, Read That. I am Jackie Reed. I'm Joanne Reed. Oh my God. It's been so long. Happy New Year. (laughs) Oh my God. Happy New Year. Merry Krumma. Merry Krumma. Merry Krumma. Merry Krumma. Happy New Year. We have not done a show since I want to say June, like since the summer. Since last summer. We haven't done a show since my show, read, read the readout, launched in July. Yeah, and we did our final show. I think the week before, so like late June. Yeah, our last was our last read. This readout. Yes, much to your, uh, you know, you did not want to take a hiatus. I didn't. I did it. I'm glad we did though. You were right. Self care. Self care. Self care. Let's just let me have that moment. I'm just but, gonna... but we have been doing fun. I have been enjoying doing our Instagram lives, which have been so fun. We've done yes. monthly Instagram lives for those of you who've been on those, those have been fun. Well, you know what I realized, and I just had a uh, uh, I was like, you know what? We can take our IG lives and make them podcast episodes. So I was talking to our producer Betsy about doing a show, you know, doing maybe three shows a month and then doing an IG live so we can connect with a different audience and then taking that audio and making it a podcast. It works for me. Yes. For me. So we're going to make it work. Well, okay. For those of you who have, um, been following because this is our third season, Joanne. This is season beginning of season three. Season Um, three. We always start the show off with a wind down, but because we are recording earlier, because we have a fantastic guest coming up on our show today. So we're recording earlier. So we're not drinking wine right now because Joanne has to go to work. Yes. Um, And we usually start off though with a wind down where we kind of talk about what's going on in our lives. So Joanne Reed, (laughs) what is your wind down for today, my dear? Well, well, my dear, as I I sip a cup of tea. I know. Delicious. Um, a cup of 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 of, of uh, of gin and juice. Tea. I'm doing pit. No, no gin and juice. Just peach tea. Nothing alcoholic. So my wind down is I have yet another job. <laughs> I don't. Need, you know. Okay, go wait, ahead. Wait, 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 wait. It's 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 a good one. They're so, all good. They're all good. So yes, I did take on another thing. I know I'm insane, but I'm going to be teaching a class at Howard University. It's a master class in the journalism department at Howard University that I'm going to be teaching starting this week all the way through the month of May. And I'm doing it. And here's what's fun about that, Jackie Reed. Even though it is insane and I'm freaking out now, poor Jason's trying to help me with the tech. He's just done with me and the tech. Um, So I have to figure out how to do it all on Zoom and everything. The reason it's going to be cool, though, is that right now, as we record, we have a Howard University alum who is the vice president of the United States. Yes. She pledged for Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority, your your sister sorority in your yes. divine nine. Yes. Um, she pledged that at Howard University, and she is the first graduate of an HBCU to ever be in an administration in any capacity. Um, in addition to being the first woman, the first black and the first Asian American vice president of the United States. There's so much history going into it and how it is at the core. And really quickly, just to take it even deeper for the nerds that listen to read this, read that. I know a few of y'all out there are nerds with me. Come on. Yes. Come on. Back during Andrew Johnson's administration, who's the president, who's the most like Donald Trump, who was also impeached and only served one term like Donald Trump and who was a super duper racist like Donald Trump. He vetoed three times Reconstruction Acts, first, second, and third Reconstruction Acts after the Civil War because Abraham Lincoln 
law got rid of his good vice president, Hannibal Hamlin, dumped him, put on Andrew Johnson, and then went to the theater. Oops. So Andrew Johnson is now president of the United States. The Reconstruction Act's passed. He vetoes them once, twice, three times. The third one included the charter for Howard University. His veto gets overridden. And so Andrew Johnson, by accident, ends up chartering Howard University. He gets credit for it in all their literature, but he didn't mean to. He hated the Blacks. I love it. He is now spin, spin, spinning in his graves that thanks to Andrew Johnson, a Black woman is now Vice President of the United States. Oopsie. History was. But wait, wait. Okay, so I love the idea of you teaching a masterclass um, anywhere, but particularly for all the reasons you stated and more at Howard University. Um, but what what are the kids like? What will the masterclass consist of? Give us a quick idea of what this semester will be like for someone in your class. Yeah, so we're starting off, we're going to talk about the inauguration, and obviously, you know, there have been three crazy Wednesdays. You had the first Wednesday oh. of the year, which was the insurrection. The second Wednesday of this year, of January, was the uh, was the impeachment. impeachment, and then the third Wednesday was the inauguration. So we're, the first class is going to talk about that whole mess of these first three Wednesdays, because my class takes place on the fourth Wednesday. So we're doing all four Wednesdays of the year and all the history and all that. But my first class, I always like to start whenever I teach a class, my first class is always about the idea of objectivity versus bias. I always start there because I feel like that's such a hang up for journalists, the yeah, idea yeah. of whether you're objective or whether you have a bias. And it's such a race-based race black, white, post-slavery idea. And I always start with that. Other stuff we're gonna be teaching about is the newsroom itself and the race, the sort of reckoning of race and gender in the newsroom and how that's playing out in an era where you've got now a white president, but a black vice president and all that kind of stuff. Um, We're gonna be talking about everything from that to like, you know, just how we navigate this newsroom in a digital world when it's not physical, it's digital, it's all online, all that kind of good stuff. So I think it's gonna be fun. I think it is too. And I think you're gonna enjoy interacting at an HBCU in this way. I only wish that you could be on campus on a regular basis as opposed to doing it virtually because there is something so special about not just walking on those campuses. You know, I went to Clark Atlanta University, not just walking on there, but just really taking it all in on a regular basis. There's something so special about it, but I want to, okay, so let's, let's, let's take count now. So there is the readout. Yeah. <laughs> there is the uh, What's a Read podcast. Yeah. <laughs> there is uh, Read, read This, Read That. that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There is now Howard University. And and I, and I have a, a book here. A book, uh, I have a book after. <laughs> a book. There's the, there's the author. There's a book. Yeah, I have a book due. I have a book due this book year. That's due when and it's due when. So which means which means this moment in your life, having <laughs> gone through this, what, two times with you already? <laughs> I know that book writing for you is something that you absolutely hate until the end. Yes. You love having a book and it's a great yeah. thing to have, but it yeah. is a grueling, it's grueling process for you. So it that's is. six. What else am I forgetting professionally? We're not going to talk about motherhood and wifehood. Right. And just so, self-care. So, so I, you know, our friend Chris Witherspoon and I are pitching uh, a couple of projects um, in, in L.A. that hopefully we'll get one of them, one or two of them will get will get done. So and, uh, and producing. 
Yeah, and a documentary that uh, that that the Hubsy and I are working on. So it's, I have a few things. Just a few things to do. Plenty of irons in the fire, in the as fire. always. So do you, ma'am. I want to hear your wine now because you've got a lot going on too. Don't make it sound like you're sitting home. No, you know. Buying a few glasses online. I do. I do. But you know, <laughs> you are way busier than I am just because of the amount, the, the way you have to focus on just the readout, right? The That's amount of attention that that one show takes. Yeah. You know what I mean? And now that it's Monday through Friday, now that it's not AM Joy, yeah. you know what I mean? Even But even when you were doing AM Joy, you yeah. were filling in all the damn time. Right. So it was like it was the readout was all like the time. It but was, it, you're right. Yeah. yeah it, so you're grueling. used to this schedule. It's grueling. I'm not going to lie. It's grueling. And I'm and I'm and I'm getting young older. <laughs> I like that word. I'm getting young older. And so, you know, I don't have as much vim and vigor. Um, I took a whole like handful of vitamins this morning trying to get myself together. I'm trying to get, <laughs> I don't get know it. D. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, it's just wild. It's a, I, I am really feeling, I am finally feeling my age for real, for real. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it now. hundred percent. Feeling, feeling, feeling myself. I'm feeling, feeling myself. myself. I'm so cute though. <laughs> yeah, you are. Look, you look really good. You look just like really. You do just as adorable and gorgeous, and just your skin looks amazing. I'm looking because I have a monitor here. You look incredible. Well, are you getting more sleep? Professional makeup. Um, <laughs> um, oh, you look good. I'm getting a little bit more sleep. So our friend Jazz, who you introduced me to, um, is like Coach you know. Jazz. Coach Jazz has been really helpful in trying to get me to get my sleep together, get my fitness together. So I'm working very hard with, with Jazz to sort of get a regime together where I'm eating right and getting exercise and self-care in. So I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. I have a whole, it takes a village, as you know, and you're part of it because I need, I have a lot of people that are sort of zeroing in to make sure that, yeah, that I'm alive and kicking. So. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad that you finally listened to me. <laughs> I did. Up with jazz that makes me feel good. I feel like yeah. I don't have to be like, I just need to hear your voice. I just need to check. Sometimes <laughs> I just call you and I'm well, like, I don't want anything. I'm just checking on you. Well, as you know, no, I see it's like, and so I, I, I exist like in triplicate because, you know, Sean, who's my amazing assistant and Hank, who's my major domo. So the three, I, I, I have I have so many people around to help me survive <laughs> and jazz is now added in there and you yeah. and Jason and the kids. Like I have a whole gang of people so that I can survive this, <laughs> this nightmare. Wellness village. So I'm yeah. a wellness village. Yeah. You and do. my earrings keep falling. I'm just going to take them off because these earrings don't want to be on. So I'm okay. I'm going to keep them off. <laughs> now let me hear your wind down, Miss Jackie. What's going on with you? You will love my wind down. Yes. I'm going to, I'm going to catch you up on my Daniel fast situation. Yes. Uh, for those who don't know, the Daniel fast is this biblical fast that a lot of churches will do. You probably heard about it. They'll do it for, you know, a month or 40 days at different periods of time at the beginning of the year. Um, some people do it for Lent. Um, I did it with these two women that started kind of like their own healthier version of the Daniel fast. So the spiritual part of it, uh, you know, um, you know, reading scripture and all of that kind of stuff, Bible study is a part of it, but also part of it is learning about nutrition. So it's not usually with the Daniel fast, from what I understand, I've never done it before. You are really focused on, you know, the things that you give up 
are helping you to lean into your spirituality, to strengthen your connection with God. Really, you know how people in the spiritual world will fast and do right. like that. It, it is kind of that kind of thing. But what you're giving up in the typical Daniel fast is all uh, meats and dairy. So, you know, I'm all about that. So that was the easy yeah. part for me. Yeah. Most people give up alcohol and breads, processed foods. Um, so that's pretty much what you're giving up in the normal Daniel fast. Okay. Add to that in this Daniel fast, which really caught me off guard was the fact that I had to give up oil, olive oil, avocado olive oil, oil, oil. Food. girl. I have, it, it, it takes, a, it takes a lot of uh, creativity, with vegetable broth and water and an air fryer is your best. Oh, I was just going to say, get you an air fryer. Girl, let me tell you, that has been my best friend. And my boyfriend, you know, when I cook dinner, because, you know, he's like very like, I'll make something. And he'll be like, is that the Jesus fast? I'll be like, <laughs> I'm like, you want me to fix your plate? And he's like, well, it depends on what it is. I'm like, what difference does it make? He says, is it part of the Jesus fast? I'm like, look, Negro, it's food. And it's food. <laughs> alive. I have to say. <clears throat> So I've been doing it for, this is my third week. Okay. And I have to say the oil part was really hard. Yeah. And so, and the alcohol, everything else was easy, but the oil was hard. So I, mo I modified it a bit. Yeah. I said on the weekends, I will let myself, like on a Friday, I'll let myself have a little bit of oil in something. I'm not, you're not supposed to eat fried foods either. I don't know if I said right. that. So I haven't been doing deep frying, but just sauteing vegetables and things yeah. like that. I let myself do that on the weekend. But overall, I do have to say, Joanne, listen to me. The, the focus that I have had, I have been working out straight for 12 days. I've had great energy. I've had great sleep. I tell you, eating vegan is healthy for you if you choose healthy foods. You can also eat unhealthy foods and right. be vegan. But I was eating a lot of, not every day, but, you know, uh, crackers and beyond this impossible that I would eat some processed foods here and there. Now that I have cut that out and even cutting out the oil and the alcohol, mm -hmm. I feel different. I really feel different. And I like it. I like the way that I feel. I don't feel, you ever eat and you just feel ugh, just yeah. like you ate too much. You just yep. feel, ugh. I never feel that way. And the thing about this is you can eat as much as you want of these foods. That yeah, you but eat. it's like four things you can eat. You can eat as much as you want of these <laughs> carrots, this cucumber over here. You can eat this. You this. can have tofu. Oh, whoop. <laughs> send up to, you know, woohoo, throw some streamers. Like tofu, yeah. <laughs> Girl, please. No, listen, here, here's the problem. And this is, this, you know, I always love your ideas, Miss Jackie, but you'll be like, oh, just do this little fun vegan thing. And then it's like, I find that Impossible Burgers bloat you because it's full of like some kind of grass or something. And then you get bloated and you're like, oh God, Impossible Burger. But, but it's better, it's better than a Whopper and it is better than a, a Big Mac. I, I, I told you what happened the last time I tried to do vegan from what was it, veganuary, veganuary? Yeah, I gained yeah. like 10 pounds eating crackers. Because you were eating processed foods. Right, and I was eating Impossible Burgers. You don't need to eat that. That's not, gonna, that's not gonna help you. You're probably carb overloading. I was eating nothing but carbs and dying. I was that's, dying. That's the wrong way to do it. I have been, listen, my clothes are fitting better. That's because you're not eating. Okay, first I am eating. Now. I have energy to work out. I have plenty of protein. She living on carrots, y'all. She living on My carrots. My muscles are coming in. I have great on cucumber protein shakes in the morning. <laughs> then I'm going to have a, a spicy cucumber. <laughs> I've got to put a little bit of red pepper on it. I'm going to sprig of parsley on the side. Listen. It's fabulous. 
Here, boyfriend, you, you want that? I said I want dinner. Right? That's not food. I feel for him. I'm gonna come. I'm gonna come collect him. I'm gonna, I'm gonna drive him over there. Let me tell you. Pick him up and be like, "Come on, come on, baby, come get you some food." Listen, I know you're hungry. He, I know you're hungry. Come on. Let me tell you, this man <laughs> such great food on a regular basis. You, I'm telling, telling you that. After you know when, when you sleep, he get up and he be driving <laughs> to the steakhouse. Like, just give me something in the bag. Just no, bag. no, put it in my girl. Just put it in the bag. <laughs> you know, he always, he, you know what he always says. He's always like, he always. He teases me and says, I'm going to Melba's. I'm going on a Sunday. He'll be like, I'm going to pick a, call Melba. Tell her I'm coming by. And, and I'll call Melba jokingly and say, Carl said he's, and she's like, tell him whatever he wants. I'm going to fix it for him. I'm like, he is not coming, Melba. He's not coming. But let me be in a corner. He got to like, he, they they made, so Melba probably made him a little special corner table and it's got a shield so nobody can't see him. And if he comes, there's like a thing in the floor. So if he sees you coming, he can drop through the floor and run. And then he run, you get over, you be like, I thought I saw you, Melba. He'd be like, baby, you didn't see me nowhere. I, I wanted to know, Melba. I, I love you. I love vegan food. No, <laughs> not happening. Not happening. Steaks on the side. You know, he out there. He just like, let me eat it real quick. <laughs> <laughs> he, I'm telling you, he cleans the plate every time. The only thing that he has the plate because he's hungry. Girl, he's starving. Of course, he cleans the plate. Whatever he's 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 starving. You had vegan shrimp and you loved it. You had vegan um, oxtails and you loved that food. Tell me you did it. Good. No, it was good from the, um, what was it called? Bad, bad Gal. Bad Gal Vegan. You I loved ordered. it. You know it's good vegan food out there. Stop fronting. So I ordered some Bad Gal Vegan. I'm waiting for it to come. Uh, she now ships her Bad Gal Vegan. So I ordered a scrimp because I don't like, you know, I don't like real shrimp. I think it's disgusting. Those so I ordered delicious. the scrimp. Yeah, but those are good. So I ordered the scrimp and I ordered some of the oxtails, the fake oxtails, the faux tail. Made out of mushrooms. It's yeah. all vegan. It's all vegan. I ordered those. Now, those are good. And I ordered her food and I want to support her. So I ordered some. I'm waiting. And that for is good. But what I'm saying is whether you get fried shrimp, which hers is from Bad Gal Vegan, or you get fried shrimp, scrimp from Red Lobster. It's it's both. You know, it, you're you can't eat that way every day. Right. You can't get fried food and eat that way every day. You do have to balance it out. So I say to you, I'm just gonna call Coach Jazz. <laughs> Tell her I was. I already told her the other night about this whole thing, and she was like, "Oh, that's so great. I love that you're doing this." Yeah, but she runs marathons. She's like Supergirl. Yes, I literally. Do. I told her today, I said, you're a super girl. I'm just trying not to limp. <laughs> <laughs> you you know what we should do? We should train for a marathon together. God, for, can you imagine me running a marathon? Yes. No. If Diddy can do it, you can do it. First of all, Diddy was probably high. <laughs> now, listen. Anybody can run a marathon when they're high. He was not high. You don't know. You don't know that. You don't know he was. <laughs> you don't know oh, that he wasn't. Listen, I know that I don't know that for a fact, and neither do you, Miss Journalist. <laughs> did he? Did he? Did um? Did he? Did a thing where he's like vote or die, and then found out he didn't even vote. I don't want. I don't. He, I'm not taking any advice from him. When he learns, when he learns how to actually rap, and I'm sorry, we don't want to put that out. I am not. Listen. He can take it. He's a grown man. He can get. It. He can take. It. <laughs> But he's a great AR. I will give him that. See, but you're AR. hardcore hip hop. I like Diddy's raps. I, I like his music. You think as a rapper? No, he's not a good rapper. He's a good AR. He's a good, he's a good at finding good rappers and signing them. Music. I love when his voice comes up on different stuff. Yeah, that's right. I can do that. That's right. I like it. <laughs>
That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna start doing that in our podcast. Uh-huh. Every time no, we come uh-huh. to them, that's right. That's right. I like that. <laughs> and then you're gonna be like, oh my god, Joy's such a great rapper. <laughs> great rapper. Listen, I said I enjoy him. I can't rank rappers like you can because you are really. Let me tell y'all, this girl is hard. I'm, I'm OG. Yeah, and I'm tell like, me the name. Tell me the name of the show again. Tell me the name of the show you used, you and Jason used to host back in the day. Oh, so we yeah we used to host a show, but that wasn't a hip hop show. That was a that was a reggae music show called Video Dump Plate. Video Dump Plate. Video Dump Plate. Pondy TV. <laughs> yeah, we used to host a show called Video Dump Plate. But, that but was you like, have the music roots though. You have yeah, the musical I, yeah. roots. That's, that's what I'm saying with that. Yeah. I know it wasn't hip hop. I like I like the I like I like hip hop. But so and so today on our show, I'm so excited that we have Wendy Williams on. And I got to tell you, you know, yeah. I'm excited the chance to tell her what a big fan I am because I got into Wendy when she first started. I mean, I actually remember Wendy from like OG original after she came out of Philly and she came to New York. That's exactly, she and I got to New York at the same time. So, and, and also I worked in radio as she did. So I, I find her career so fascinating. Um, just everything that she's dealt with, you know, we work for the same person. I worked for Kathy Hughes as well. And that was an adventure. Um, you know, so it's like, you know the, that that the roots of of um of what she does in radio I find fascinating because I share that background. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm excited to talk to her too. I I have so much respect to her, uh, for her as a businesswoman. I love yeah. what she has been able to build, and I love that now she is executive producing and creating projects. Um, and I'm sure there's more of that to come. I just I just wanted to just you know just be a little. Nicer when it comes to some of her interviews sometimes. Well, we'll talk to her about you gotta be real. And you know, I, I used to teach that. her, I used to teach her in one of my um when I used to teach this class at Syracuse, which was race, gender, and media. And there was a module where we talked about the various talk shows. This was before Tamron Hall had a talk show. So cutting Tamron Hall out because at the time she didn't have a show yet. Yeah. Wendy Williams had the largest young, has the largest young demo show in the business, meaning that. Ellen may have the top ratings, but when you're talking about the core demo of young people, they're watching Wendy. And if you, I remember pitching a show inside NBC Universal, trying to sort of pitch an idea to some folks at, at NBC. And and, I, and I'm like, well, what are you guys looking for in terms of talk? Because I was thinking, you know, this was, you know, before when I was thinking I really would love to do a, um, a, a show at night, like an 11 p.m. sort of Bill Maher-esque show. So I pitched it a couple different places, including at NBC Universal to the, the, the network. And you know what they said they wanted? Wendy. The thing, Wendy Williams, that is that template for what she does is the template for what the networks want, because that template attracts young audiences. And it's because she's real. She just is whatever, whatever she's thinking, whatever's happening. She doesn't shade it or try to be politically correct about it. She's just real. And I think that's why she's been successful. Well, you know, what's interesting about Wendy right now with everything that she's been through, right? Um, and there were moments, I think last year where people were wondering if she would ever come back, you know, she took a break and people were wondering, is it over? Right. And now she's back in the middle of COVID doing her show with a a, a smaller audience and bigger than ever. And you see someone like an Ellen DeGeneres who hit some road bumps, you know, towards the, you know, end of 2020 last year and her ratings have taken a hit. You yeah. Know, there are questions about whether or not she will come back. And now, you know, we're hearing that she may be, you know, in fact, ending her show. Um, and well, it's just incredible to see that Wendy, uh, that what she's been able to do, yeah. and what she's been able to withstand yes. personally and professionally 
um, and to still be standing in such a firm, strong. I mean, she will do this show <clears throat> until she doesn't want to do it anymore. She doesn't want to do it. And here's the yeah. thing, and it, this is something for even for you, for me, for those of us who are women in the business. Look at the shows that are hitting. Tamron, Wendy, The Real. Black women are, ha are, are driving ratings numbers you know, the black women judge shows are hitting, you know, black women are driving TV ratings. Yeah, but, do get, but do we get paid that way? The question. answer is no. That's right. And <clears throat> we don't get paid for that. And I don't care who you are. You're yeah. not getting paid the same amount of money that a white woman doing the similar same show. Same show would get. And that's, well, it's, you know. it's the reason that they sort of pretended Mariah Carey was white at first. Because they knew that she would sell more and make more money if people assumed she was white. Because a white R&B singer versus a black R&B singer who gets paid more, right? I mean, they, they think it's phenomenal and some sort of a miracle when a white person can sing R&B. But when a black person sings R&B even better, they're like, yeah, but all black people can sing. Is the Girl. assumption that the industry makes. I mean, just the stuff about the music industry and the... Have you seen this... Um, this clip that's going around on Instagram where a dark skin and a light skin singer both sing to a track and these, these, these black men are trying to decide like which one is better. And the, the dark skin woman like kills it, but they're like, Oh no, that wasn't good for your voice. Even though she's the better singer. Cause there's so many different, there's so many different ways in which black women are discriminated, whether it's on the basis of color complexion or just race discrimination period that we still face in this business. Oh, yeah. I mean, I still will never get over it. Well, I mean, I'm over it, but I was just so disgusted when Justin Bieber was upset when the Grammy nominations came out and he felt that he had done his latest album was an R&B album and he was just upset that he had not been nominated. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Do you know how many black artists have been overlooked or relegated to R&B when they clearly have a pop hit on there? You know, right. something that is, is bigger than right. R&B. You know yeah. what I mean? And, but they are, are, you know, they are left out because they're only, they can only um, be nominated in the R&B category. Don't yeah. get me started. Don't well, get me started. Okay. During that era, the same era that Wendy Williams was coming up, this was the era when even MTV would not play, not only would they not play hip hop, which is why New York Hot Tracks became a popular show. So you talk about- They Michael Jackson. They wouldn't play Michael Jackson. They wouldn't play anybody black. And so you have this era where black people had to create New York contracts because they couldn't get on M uh, get on MTV. We when we were doing our show, when we were doing video dub play. It's not like nobody was gonna play reggae music. Even though these are black artists who are the exact same background as like Busta Rhymes, Jamaican Americans, and Jamaicans, and you know people from Jamaica and from the U.S. Until Shaggy came along, nobody would even play this music. And these are this is black music. I mean, so there's been so much discrimination in every way you can think of in this industry. So I'm excited for the chance to talk to Wendy because yeah, she knows all about that. Me too. All right. We got some hot topics to go through. Let's do it. And we're going to, uh, <clears throat> we don't have a lot of time before we have to okay. get our interview with Wendy. So let's talk about Dave Chappelle, um, who has contracted uh, COVID-19. Um, yeah. Not surprisingly, there are rumors. I don't know if this is the case that he got it from Elon Musk, uh, his partner, um, I don't know if that's true, but uh, he has apparently canceled the rest of his upcoming Texas shows. Apparently, he's asymptomatic. Yeah. Um, you know, not a lot of uh, symptoms that he's having right there, which happens with a lot of people with COVID. But I'm glad he made the responsible choice at this point to cancel his shows yeah. uh, 
and until he tests negative again and is no longer infectious. Yeah. We're seeing so many celebrities getting COVID. We had Larry King just pass away. He um, also apparently had COVID. Yeah, we're going to talk about him in just a bit. Yeah, but yeah, no, I mean, I'm listen, I'm surprised anybody was still having shows. The idea of having shows at all. I think it's know, so irresponsible. I it's think so it's just Well, girl, your city, get get Atlanta. Get it together because Atlanta yeah. is throwing parties like COVID doesn't exist. And all these rappers and singers. Girl, Keisha, trying. Keisha is trying. Uh, the mayor there, Keisha Lance Bottoms. I mean, she and her entire family had COVID. Yes. And so she tries. But I mean, when you have a governor, right? Uh, Kemp, who is keeping you from putting certain things in place, you know, beyond, you know, it, it, in different city limits, he won't do anything statewide. Georgia, well, Atlanta, for example, you know, I grew up in DeKalb County in Decatur, which is, you know, just adjacent right next to Atlanta. So right. I say I'm from Atlanta, but if you want to get specific, I'm from Decatur, but there's so many counties, Gwinnett, Cobb, and all, all those counties that really make up the Atlanta area yeah. and, and different cities. So what, you know, Keisha Lance Bottom, the mayor does in Atlanta, if you've got somebody, you know, right next door to you, because people are moving and working together it just there's no way to control it right and they and if the governor would be and see this is where we're, biden is going to have a problem because to control covid he's got to count on the governors because we have this federalist society where essentially the states are little countries and so the federal government can't order them to now there are ways they could do it if he really wanted to get hardcore he could say okay bitches y'all don't want to do covid georgia florida arizona texas you want to play games don't do covid not a problem. But you see this federal funding that you thought you were getting for X, you ain't getting that. Because you can tie behaviors to money. There are so many ways that they could take money that is that is allocatable to the states and say that that money is contingent on you complying. And that's one way to get compliance. That's the only way that you can really get federal compliance. What they're talking about doing is taking FEMA and using FEMA and stationing FEMA in these states, essentially sort of like a mini occupation. I mean, like you can come to this FEMA place and get your shots if your state won't go along with it. And you have states like Florida, they're saying, we don't want that. So it's like some of these, I'm telling you, some of these governors, it's like they want everyone to get COVID. That they Florida want governor, to get I, feel, I feel bad for people who live in Florida. He Me is, too. He's out, y'all. I mean, he's out to kill y'all. Y'all need to he's remember to kill, the time he, you're voting for a governor because this man just... He is so irresponsible um, when it when it comes specifically to the dealing with COVID over you know over this past year. I think of all the governors, and correct me if I'm wrong. What do you? I think he has been the governor that's the worst. Irresponsible, the absolute worst. He's the worst. Christy Nome is pretty close in South Dakota. She's insane. Like the the worst governors are Ducey in Arizona, that Texas fool. This guy and Kemp, those four are the four worst governors in America. And their people are dying in crazy, crazy numbers. The North Dakota governor was bad too, but he finally gave in. The reality is these states are putting, especially Florida, more than any other state because it's the oldest state. They have the most old people. People are dying like crazy. There are people who are waiting in lines, sleeping on the sidewalk because the lines are so long, they have to stay sleep overnight. Old people sleeping on the sidewalk in lawn chairs waiting to get their COVID shots. That's how bad it is. And he is focusing all his attention on the fact that he's mad that Trump and people are getting kicked off Twitter. He thinks that's the most important thing in the world, not COVID, because his thing is keep the economy open, keep Disney World open, even if everybody dies. He doesn't care. He's like, keep the cruises going, even if everybody dies. He just does not care. The dude is really a lunatic. Yeah, well, we wish Dave Chappelle well, speedy recovery. Hopefully his family 
they did not get COVID because the thing about COVID and you know this, even if you're asymptomatic, you know, you can still have complications. I was talking to a, a girlfriend today who has a friend in Florida, very young, very healthy, runs marathons, very athletic. She got COVID, was asymptomatic. Um, and, you know, and just, you know, and now she has tested negative. But after that, she um, she has some issues with her heart and now has to yes. wear a heart monitor. You that's know, right. because this is that's the thing I, I was telling one of my interns is planning to travel abroad oh, um, in the next couple of weeks. I said, listen, you people think that nothing's <laughs> going to happen to you if you get this and it can impact you long term. Plus, you can spread it to someone right. who is can hurt and it can and not only that but so what people what they don't know what we don't know we don't have enough research to know what the long-term effects of covid are just like what you're talking about with your friend people like dave Chappelle who needs his lungs right he's like he's a he speaks for a living Come on. and he smokes and he smokes well and i've heard of people who have long-term lung damage whether they were symptomatic or not because think about what covid is if you ever see the movie alien y'all you've seen alien right oh, i love it was <laughs> one of my favorite uh series of movies so my my theory is that alien is really about a virus. It's really about virus transmission. Because what viruses do is exactly what that alien monster does. It gets inside of you and then it uses your own body to replicate itself just like the alien monster does. So what it wants to do and then what it does is you see in the movie Alien as you go to Aliens 1, 2, 3 and 4 how it mutates into different kinds of aliens. Yeah. Using the bodies of humans as a host viruses act exactly like the move, like, like that monster. It gets in you. And what it wants to do is it warps your own system to replicate itself. And then whether it just gets in your system here so that you can sneeze or cough it out so that it can get into someone else. That's all it wants to do. Just what the alien wants to do, jump into other people because it's only purpose is to reproduce. It has no other purpose, reproduce myself <clears throat> and reproduce myself in other forms. So you have to think about it. Even if you like Ripley, Rip, it didn't kill Ripley right away. It used Ripley for four movies. <laughs> and then you find so out good. that heifer had that alien running around in her for four movies. Even when she was a robot Ripley, she still had the alien in her. And it didn't need her. And it, you, it kept, it rode around in Ripley until it needed her. And well, then it, it ripped out her. That's See, what the alien, like that's this virus. It's mutating into different strains. Yep. And that's why it, you know, into deadlier strains, possibly we're hearing. Yeah. That's why I just say, you know, it's just people have to really um, be careful and cautious and smart. I mean, I think what Dave Chappelle was doing, if he wasn't out visiting, visiting Kanye, he was doing <laughs> these small shows everywhere. No mask to be seen that I saw from him. Mm -hmm. He's backstage here. He's there. I just think it's a bad example and forget about being a role model. I think it's just unhealthy, particularly when you have family, children, yeah. um, and things like that, but we wish him well. Um, we, well. Get back. we want to move Feel on better. quickly to, uh, share our condolences with the families of Hank Aaron and Larry King, yes. um, who both recently passed away. I know. COVID. Yeah. Uh, I, I know, um, Larry King died of COVID Hank Aaron too. Yep. Had, I, are you sure? Because he had the vaccine. But so what happened with with uh, Hank Aaron is that he had, he had the vaccine in January. So tell me about this. 
So you I, now I'm leaning in. Now what? <laughs> no, I believe he also had COVID, but he had gotten, I think, at least one of the shots of the, of the vaccine. But you know, the vaccine takes two to four weeks to start working. After you get the second vaccine, it still takes almost, you know, two, three, two, three weeks for your immune. You can still catch COVID after you get the vaccine. You still, you, your body then has to replicate the, 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 um, the resistance and it takes a while for it to replicate. So there's a congressman too, that also got the vaccine, got both shots and got COVID. So you can catch it. So that's because what I'm saying. Keisha Lance, Bottom, Keisha Lance Bottom tweeted out uh, um, that he did not die of COVID, that he, because people were, you know, people were up in arms. They were like, well, he got the vaccine, but this right. was, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm sure you have reporting beyond when she tweeted this, you know what I mean? But she was saying um, that he died of natural causes. He died yeah. in his sleep. She said, much like her father. You probably heard about this. And that's much probably like true. Father. Yeah, and she said, COVID is not, she said, the vaccine is not going to stop you from dying, from dying. period. Yeah. He'll die from other things. From other things, yeah. Um, but she was like, what it will do is uh, prevent COVID. But like I said, this, this was very close to his actual death. So I'm, I'm sure you have updated reporting yeah. on that. Well, I mean, and it, and it's possible that look, they, if you look on his death certificate, it probably is not going to be COVID, right? Because if he had the vaccine and he had COVID, that's just what I heard. So I, listen, that's not my reporting. This is what I heard. So let me yeah. just let me back off on that. But you know, if even if I, all that's I, what I heard, that's what I heard. All I have to say, and let me look it up and just make sure I'm clear. If you have had the vaccine, you can still catch COVID. That is actually true. Even what if you, you had the vaccine? vaccine for then, don't get me started, Joanne. You know how I feel about the vaccine. I'm just saying. What that you getting it for? You're saying no. You're saying once you get the vaccine, it it needs. It takes to a while. It takes a while before you can fight off. Yes. Okay. So let's just make this clear, and we want to make sure that it's very clear. Yes. He did not die of COVID. He died of natural causes. Right. That is what Keisha Lance Bottom was saying. Yes. He died of natural causes. No, yes, natural causes, died in his sleep. And health professionals are concerned. So this is a Newsweek piece. Um, about two weeks before his death on Friday at 86 years old, baseball legend Hank Aaron was among a group of civil rights icons who received the COVID-19 vaccine in Atlanta. In the immediate aftermath, health experts hope that the loss of the home run king does not deter people from getting vaccinated. He received his first dose of the Moderna vaccine on January 5th during a widely publicized event besides Aaron civil rights activist Andrew Young, Zernona Clayton, Joy Beasley, and others also received the vaccine. Atlanta Mayor Keisha Mance Bottoms also attended the event. At the time, he spoke about wanting to reassure people and do his part to slow the virus's spread. So he, he basically said, you know, he wanted to do it to try to help other people. Right. So following Aaron's death, a number of conspiracy theorists and anti-vaxxers shared the Braves legend's death as a warning about the perceived dangers of the COVID vaccine. Children's Health Defense, an organization that has shared anti-vax propaganda, highlighted Aaron's vaccination and indicated that a cause of death was not shared. Da, da, da. But it, it is clear that the vaccine did not cause him to die. That is very true. And people need to really understand that. Right. But he also, we're not certain um, that he died of coronavirus. He died. Yeah, we, no, he did not. He died of natural causes. That's natural my, causes. that's my bad. Yes. That's my bad. He did not. But, but um, yeah, Larry King definitely did. He was hospitalized because of the virus. Um, but two legends, you yeah. know, um, dying so close together. Um, I was sad to hear about Hank Aaron being from Atlanta. You know what I mean? Me being from Atlanta and yeah. knowing of him, you know, all my life. 
and all that he um, has ac had accomplished in life. And I know you, uh, didn't you post a picture that you- I did, I met him in Atlanta. Did you meet him? So I, we went down um, to Atlanta and I met him a couple times, but the last time that I actually saw him was at the um, the opening of the the movie studio. The oh, Tyler, Tyler Perry. Perry studio. Tyler Perry. Yes, okay. we, we met at the Tyler Perry studio when he was there. And I met him previously when I had gone down. There was a movie that we had done inside NBC called Hope and Fury. Um, or hoping something. It was a, it was a, it's a movie about the civil rights movement, and we did a presentation of it, and he came to it. So I took a picture with him there. That's the picture that I actually posted. One of my favorite. I never had the pleasure of meeting him, even though I had seen him at events and things like that. I never had that um, honor, but of course I knew his story backwards and forwards because of being from Georgia, being from Atlanta yeah. specifically. You know, you just know all about. You know who Hank Aaron is. The homeboy. Homeboy. One of the things that I learned about him in this documentary, which I know you love, um, The Black Godfather, um, about, um, oh, what's his name? What's it? Um, uh, Clarence Avant. Mm -hmm. And I hope I'm saying, I don't know if it's Avon or Avant, where he told this story of after Hank Aaron broke Babe Ruth's record back in the day, right? Um, and years after that, when uh, Mr. Avant had a chance to meet him, Hank Aaron was still not making the money with endorsements and things right. like that, like his white counterparts, and especially someone who had achieved what he had yeah. achieved that no other athlete had achieved to that level. And that uh, Mr. Avant went in with Coca-Cola and brokered a deal that just was, you know, groundbreaking for a black athlete who I believe at that time was no longer even uh, playing baseball Fine. anymore, but got him stock options and oh, just all kinds of money. It's like, if you have not seen the black Godfather, there's so many amazing, it's such, it's so well done. I gotta watch that. Hudlin. It's so good. But that moment in there where he tells the story about brokering this deal with Coca-Cola for Hank Aaron is one of my favorite Hank Aaron stories. Oh, I got to put that in there. But I have to, my one little brag is that he used to watch AM Joy. That when he of came to see, he, he said, my wife and I, we watch your show every week. And I was so so moved by that. So he was very, very sweet, very nice guy. A very, very I nice. love that. Well, our condolences to Hank Aaron and Larry King and both of their families. And I don't want us to run out of time because I know you have to go. Yes. Um, I'm surprised you're this calm, so close to uh, doing your show. <laughs> I would be a nervous wreck. But let's talk about Regina King hosting SNL on February 13th. That is coming up. Oh, my God. I love I know. her. I love, I love her. her. I, I love it. I, you know, I love that she's said what a year she's, I mean, what, a, I guess I want to say the, the past a couple years, couple yeah. years. She's she, got a national know. TV commercial for, I think, Cadillac, The Watchmen, which Watchmen was probably the best TV series. And she won an Emmy for that. I think that's the best TV series I've ever seen, really, yeah. honestly. It was so good. Hopefully there's a season two. She's so great. Everything she's in is great. And my sister was in a movie with, with it was in a, a show with her. Um, what show? What American show was my Crime. cousin in? Yes, Cousin June was in American Crime, season two, I think. And she played Regina King's supervisor. So she had one scene with Regina King where she's like, you know, like rebuking her for something. <laughs> but she said, but she has a picture with her and said she's like the nicest person and just was so, so sweet to everyone on the cast and everything. So yeah, it's 
Yeah, she she um and her sister Raina have a production company together. And years ago, this is when I was at BET, so this was really a long time ago. Uh, they flew me to Atlanta because they were getting together a group of people to talk about different topics, and they were trying to uh, write dialogue for a movie that they were working on. And it was a it was a black version of a, a classic movie, but I don't want to say what it was in case they still plan on doing it because I think yeah. it's a brilliant idea. But they brought me in to moderate that um, situation. And I was so honored that they asked me to do it at the time. And so I really got to know, you know, both of them. Um, and Regina is just so lovely. So is her sister, Raina. But also, if you have not seen it yet, One Night in Miami is her, her directorial debut. I need to see that. Which is phenomenal. You I have look to forward see it. to it. it yeah. Well done. Well, it's um, about my, you know, it's about these great your hometown, right? Sports. Well, not my real hometown. You know, we don't claim Miami as a hometown because I'm really from Brooklyn and, and Denver. But <laughs> I lived there 14 years. God bless Miami. But yes, I mean that whole that whole era, the boxing era, and those those athletes when athletes were real superstars. It was like the pre-LeBron James version of athletes that use their power for good. So I can't wait to see it. Yeah, so for those who don't know, it is this night that actually happened in Miami, apparently between Jim Brown, Sam, Malcolm X, and Muhammad Ali. Yes, Clay at the time of this meeting, that the four of them were all in Miami and they all went to uh, Muhammad Ali, Cassius Clay's fight. And then they all went to this motel room to just kind of talk. Now, the dialogue from there, I'm sure. Um, you know, was some someone brought all you know, no one knows exactly what happened, and Jim Brown is the only one that's still alive. Yeah. Um, and I hear that he was very pleased with the outcome of this movie. And I have seen it, it is it it, it will blow you away. Congratulations to Regina King. And I only hope that when she does Saturday Night Live, that the writers, you know, Please. listen, don't mess her up. whenever they have a black host, they don't do good. It's it's not great. No, it's you're right. It's not great. Mm -mm. And now that Leslie Jones is not there as a writer, right. you know, I'm concerned. But I love that. You know, I, I don't know what happens. It just always kind of falls short to me. Except for I think Dave Chappelle's and I think Eddie Murphy's was was pretty strong. But I think they they come in and they they come in and they because they're comedians. You like whenever Chris Rock is on there, when Dave Chappelle is on there, when like the male black comedians are on. It's always a great show because yeah. I think they just weigh in so much as comedians. But I feel like when black women are on, um, the sister from Insecure, I didn't think they did a good Lisa job. Right, Lisa Ray, Carrie Washington, I didn't. Carrie, I didn't think okay. Bay's episode yeah. was. And you know, that, think about all the guests that they've had on SNL. You know, they've that. Um, I think that Regina will be the eleventh or twelfth black woman to ever host this show. Well, I'm excited and I'll definitely be watching. Um, I thought I actually thought Carrie Washington's was of those of that group was the best of those, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I thought it could have been better. And no shade to the women. I thought they showed up, but I felt like yeah. it was the writing and the situations. You know, even Octavia Spencer. Mm, I yeah. just it, it was needed not to shine. We need Regina to shine. I love that her sister's name is Raina. They're both like Queen Queen. They're parents like Queen and Queen. I love it. Queen. I love it. Queen well, so we should introduce uh, our, our guest. Let's well, bring let's her get in. To it. Without further ado, the woman who needs no introduction, you guys. Read This, Read That is back. And with our very first guest for our new season, the one and only Wendy Williams. Hey, Wendy. Hey, ladies. How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? I haven't done this. How you doing? How you doing? <laughs> oh, my God. Wendy, Joanne has perfected this. 
She she does it all the time, like all the time. I tell well, her. You know, um, Joyanne and I, first of all, I don't usually use the Anne. That, I think that was my first time saying Joyanne. But <laughs> yes. Joy and I, we connected instantly when we met. And Jackie and I have known each other for years yes. uh, through various projects from WBLS to now this. Yeah. Yeah. So, Joy, what part of um, my project did you see? Did you watch the movie or the documentary or both? Ma'am, I watched it all. Oh, no. So for, can I just say, I have to say, and we haven't had a chance to really talk about this, um, Wendy, but I first started listening to you when I first moved back to New York. Mm. And so when you were coming up on in the radio, I was... I was a super fan from day one. I have followed you from hot to kiss back to hot. Like I have been a super fan. And this was during the time when I was, I had left college. I'd taken the year of college. Unfortunately, my mom passed. And so I was like, I was freaking out, leaving, not doing well at school. And so I went back to New York and this was just the time that you were popping up on the radio. So you were like part of my therapy. So it is just to me so surreal that I even know you and can talk to you, but you were literally a part of my therapy when I was just in New York and as you talk about in the film, this was that time when you had HIV AIDS, which was this like surreal world where you saw people walking down the street ill and they were like sort of gray and it was terrifying. Mm -hmm. And so all of this stuff was happening and all the personal issues I was dealing with. You were part of my therapy. So I love you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Have you ever heard that, Wendy, before that you, you, you and what you do that is therapeutic or the cathartic for anyone? Have you heard I that? I hear it every single day. I can't tell you how many times a day, um, but there's something about hearing it from my peers in broadcasting that really makes it special because Joy, and you too, Jackie, you do a different kind of entertainment for me. You are talking smart and you're talking politics and I, and I do watch Joy every evening, you know, and I, and, and I have that side of me. And a lot of people think that all I do is spend time gossiping and, and that sort of thing. I do enjoy that part of my life, but I do enjoy the other part of my life. And now through um, the, the gratefulness of being with Lifetime, I'm able to tell the rest of the story and holding nothing back. You know, I mean, I'm in my apartment, I'm laying on the couch, my lymphedema machine is going, I'm laughing, I'm crying. I'm telling you that I knew about the cheating since um, at the time that I gave birth to my son, who's, that was 20 years ago. He's 20 years old. Yeah. And I found out. And a lot of girls would say, well, why didn't you leave then? And I said, because I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to be a single mother. I thought that Kevin, who was dragged up in the streets of Brownsville, that's how he was raised. He's not a, a, a high school graduate. I, I saw something in Kevin that if he just let some of the hood out of him, not all of it, because I like it, Edge. I don't mind that. But if he let some of the hood out of him and embraced family life and what an easy woman I am to get along with at home. And he really was my biggest cheerleader at that time, to a fault. And I really did love Kevin Hunter, to a fault. And I plotted my exit the day that I found out that he was cheating. My parents were still at the house. You know, if you're lucky enough to have your mom and dad in your life when you give birth, they they come to your house and they stay. We had the um, in-law suite. They stayed in the in-law suite and they taught me how to be a mom. 
Wendy, well, this is what you do for this. And this is what you do for that. And I would listen to what my mother said. And I didn't do everything she said, but I appreciated her company and my dad's company and my dad's strength. And dad uh, did the best that he could when Kevin was around to kind of teach him how to be a dad without saying, this is how you be a dad. You know, guys have a different way of communicating with each other. My mom would say, this is what I did when you kids were born. Now, this is how you do it, Wendy. Um, for instance, I did not know that neither, neither, neither my siblings or me, we were never breastfed. I thought that that's what you kept a secret. And I was having a difficult time breastfeeding because Kevin was so ravenous and I also wanted to get back to work. I needed him to detach from me so that I can get back to my other love before him, which is radio. And I was tired of doing it at home and I wanted to get back in there because men will quickly take over a man's business. And this is still a man's business. And, um, and so I did, but I, you know, that day I got in the car with my parents uh, just for privacy. We weren't going anywhere. Uh, I didn't need anything from the store. Uh, Kevin was probably with the next chick. I have no idea. Um, but I, I told my parents, look, I'm getting a divorce. It's not going to happen today, but it's going to happen. And what I need you to do is act the part of the loving parents and in-laws. You act that part. I don't want to hear anything. I don't want you to act any differently. Toward Put your anger at me still being with on me because I can take it. Because if you are smart, you will stick with me and you will see that I will come out for the better. And the better I am, the better you are because you're my parents. Young Kevin was a goober in my arms. You know what I did on that ride and the lecture to my parents? I'm driving, I'm talking, my, fa my father's in the back, my mother's in the front, Kevin's home with the nanny, we had a nanny. Uh, she wasn't living with us though. Um, I sold them my condo, I had some property in, in Florida. And at that time there were snowbirds, they were up here you know, during part of the year and then they'd fly down there. And I said, look, um, we're on our way over to the estate planner person you know, who handles this. His name is not on the house that we lived in because he didn't have the credit for it. You know how when people have bad credit, they pull you both down. <laughs> I planned on signing him onto it. I loved him for real. I planned on helping him the way he was helping me in a way. Yeah. Um, so I said, so, but Jersey is a half and half state, not as bad as California, but as bad as California. So I said, um, but what I will do, since I'm the only one on, I will not stay in this house. I'm reclaiming my crown in New York on the radio. I'm going to sell this house and me and Kevin are going to go on with our lives. And the one thing I don't want him to do in a messy divorce is to make you all homeless. Try to take half my condo. You see what I'm saying? Because he's going to be mad as a rattlesnake the day that I finally tell him I want a divorce. I never played around with the divorce word. Don't play with that unless you mean it. I see it on TV all the time. I hear it in real life all the time. People play around with that. You don't play that. My uh, demeanor for the most part was very nice, really motherly. You know, I, you know, uh, the sex was there and it was nice. The hugs, the, I love you, the kisses. Hello. The, the, this is after you knew everything was about to end. Yeah. 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 I was married to him for 21 years and was ending it at 20 years. Wow. See what I'm saying? At, at that second year of us being married, when I had the baby, after two miscarriages, 9 11 had happened and all that. And I, I would say, okay, maybe this is life changing for both yeah. of us. You know, I can forgive him. It was only an affair. 
even though I know that, like my dad has always said, leopards don't change their spots, Wendy. And then he'd go back to be, like my father would drop hints. He was hurt because his daughter was with this man, but he would never show it to Kevin. And he would only say it to me because my father has, my father has a way of using words. He's a Shakespearean in the name of James Earl Jones. Not only do they look alike, but they talk alike very um, Shakespearean and he would use these Shakespearean phrases on me and I would go and look them up and said, wow. Yeah. Okay. Can I, can I take you back? Because I I mean, yours, the the story that you tell, you know, in this, in the film takes you all the way back to you as a kid. Yeah. And, you know, I can relate to that as a kid who got teased and you think about what, how that shapes you. How did your childhood and dealing with your peers and recovering your self-confidence from other kids teasing you, how did that shape you? I don't ever remember being forced to either deal with it or give into it. I was too fat to fit into a dress that my mom bought me. And she said, you know, this dress is a size 12, Wendy. We have to take it out and get a size 14, take off that dress, and let's put on something else. And I was on my way to a birthday party for um, a, a little girl in, in my neighborhood, in my neighborhood. And um, then she called my sister into the room, you know, the perfect Wanda, um, who's seven years older than me. But when you're only eight years old, that seems like a lifetime older. Um, and nobody could zip the dress. And my father said to me, and you'll see it, you're a pretty girl if you just lose some weight. And, and the camera very much focused on me being determined and rolling my eyes at my family. Finally, I kicked everybody out of my room and I zipped the dress myself. And with my pigtails, the family came back in the room and my mother was mad and everybody's looking. She'd asked, did Tommy give me Twinkies? And, and I turned around and said, it zipped. And then I faced them and threw both arms up the way I do when the double doors open. I said, ta-da, now let's go to the birthday party. Went to the birthday party. We were playing musical chairs and I won. Well, I don't care that it's her birthday. You know what I'm saying? I play to win. And that's how I am today too. If I can't at least have a chance on winning, I'm not playing. And I won. And then the little girl starts crying, my friend Linda from back in the day in the neighborhood. She started crying to her mother, but mommy, it's my birthday. I'm supposed to win. Oh, really? And, and my mom was very, very proud of me until her mother kicked us both out of the party. And by the way, as I was sitting, taking in the accolades and the other children were shocked that I won. And I was the only black child there, by the way. I mean, if, if Lifetime had any black kids there, that's just Lifetime being cute, <laughs> thinking that there were black people in Wayside part of Ocean Township. Uh, which there weren't uh, other than us. And then eventually a couple of other uh, people, but um, families, but um, I broke the chair. My weight was too much for the chair and everybody got what I perhaps deserved. They laughed at me, Mm. you know, and I looked over at my mother and my mother's smile turned to disgust Mm. and we got kicked out of the party. And, but I said, I don't care. I'll show you. And the funny thing is that very same girl, Linda, has been a guest as a co-host in our audience. A lot of the kids that I grew up with who are now adults, but I still think of us all as being childlike because that's how we remember each other. Um, They've been here to the show. And I never act like 
big shot. I always say special highs to them during commercial. And then I break programming while the cameras are rolling. I say, this is this one. And this is that one. And this is that one. And this is how we were all friends. And this is that one. And wow, I've had old teachers of mine come. Uh, yeah. I My growing that. up as a, even a little girl shaped everything that yeah. I am right now. I love that. Well, Wendy, I want to ask you about, you know, you are known for really talking about your life behind the scenes and revealing so much, you know, and I wonder with making, you, you've talked so much about your life openly for years with making this, uh, you know, uh, this documentary, right. And then the television show, what the television movie, what was it that you hadn't told yet that you wanted to do it in this way? Well, first of all, a fabulous deal with Lifetime. <laughs> a, a, a deal, you know, let's talk business, ladies. Yeah. Um, yes. My movie and documentary are only the beginning. You know, I am now producing and writing and whatever it is that I want to do. They're wonderful people to be in partnership with. And um, my new manager, the wonderful, sensible, Smart, sophisticated Bernie Young engineered the deal for me. And, and Bernie is a manager that I didn't have before. The manager I had before rejected Lifetime and so many other people who wanted to do business with me, but couldn't get directly at me because what a manager does is they weed out the garbage and they bring you only the good stuff. Yeah. And, and if, if Kevin didn't get his way, see, he was weeding out that garbage because he felt that I deserved only the best, only the best, only the best, you know, car service from day one, you know, um, the, the, the best hair from day one. The, the, the and ladies, you know, and I know, first of all, being black is a big factor in this game. Yeah. Being a black woman. Uh, we still don't get the money that a white woman would make being on TV for 12 years. Mm -hmm. And I, and I, and I recognize that as I move. And I also realized because of my outspokenness, and my ability to speak their language and my ability to, I mean, just my stature alone. I mean, for goodness sakes, I'm taller than most people, even with flat feet. You know, I say my, I say what I feel. I'm very confident. And it's not because it's something that I try to convince myself into. It's like, all right, I got to get home. I got to get back to Jersey to meet, you know, my son's guidance counselor. So I would, during the married years, leave Kevin here to act in my steed the way a manager does. Now, Bernie and I go to everything from day one, most things. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times I will not be available and then Bernie will go, but Bernie will either um, um, conference me in so I can hear what's going on or call me right afterwards. Um, I am 100% on top of you know the things that I'm doing and doesn't mean that I do everything that is brought to me and doesn't mean that everything Kevin said was wrong because I do deserve the best, but um, there's some things that I will never get. You know, if I was a white woman on TV for 12 years with a talk show, I would not be getting what I'm making right now. And I would not be getting uh, some of the treatment that I do right now. And I would have won a daytime Emmy because I know that this is the best. Yes. Can, and let me ask you a little about the industry, because, you know, we, we we share in common that we both at some point worked for Kathy Hughes. Uh, and it looked at least in the film like your experience and mine were very similar. Um, but the industry, not only there are not that many women 
as you said, at the executive level, at least back then, you didn't have a very female-centric industry. I mean, you talk about everything that you went through, particularly in the earlier years, in the hip-hop world, in the radio world, this male-dominated world. You even talk about an instance of date rape and just the way that women were devalued. Do you think there has been a real, has the, particularly, let's talk about hip-hop and radio. Do you think that those industries have really confronted the treatment of women and grown enough from then to now? No. What I think is that, you know, when I started out in New York radio in 1988 um, and then transitioned from being um, on dance music station into being at an R&B station, Kiss R&B was not even playing hip hop. Kiss was scared of hip hop. They would only allow Red Alert and other hip hop street DJs to play it after hours. And they would then definitely put on uh, Vaughn Harper with The Quiet Storm and Yvonne Mobley with The Quiet Storm and, you know, and those smooth talking people to downplay the hip hop that we were playing. And Vinnie Brown is a part of my documentary and he plays a part in the movie too, not the real Vinnie in the movie, but the real Vinnie in the documentary. And, um, and then I was a student of hip hop. And when I got hired at KISS, I was the youngest on the staff. And my coworkers enjoyed going home and closing their blinds and watching the news and going to sleep early and feeding their dogs. And me, I wanted to go out and, and, and be young and, and fun and single and popular. I enjoyed it. And, and I looked to my right and oh my gosh, that's number one on the charts. Wait, now what's he doing? Did he just hit her? Oh, yes. Yes, he did. Then I'd come back to the radio and I would tell the story before playing the song. Yeah. And the program directors would get upset with that. It was Vinny who allowed me to, he's like, all right, Wendy, fine. You know, because I was like, look, either I do it or I'm going to lock the door. And I would get suspended without pay throughout my career, suspended for two weeks without pay. But I would take that loss for the betterment of at least I'm true to myself. I couldn't afford the loss, but I knew eventually it would pay off. And here I am 12 seasons later, still not making what I need to be making, but it's not a bad life. You know, you know, I, the, the documentary um, reinforces uh, a lot that we're going through, uh, particularly as people of color and particularly as women, but just people. Um, regardless of what color you are as well. Uh, date rape is very, very popular. It was an R&B singer. They left out the part where I was date raped in college. Um, after that, you know, years later, um, was that before? Oh, it was before that. I was date raped in college yeah. uh, by a friend of mine on campus who, you know, we were smoking bud. I brought the bud over to his room. You know, and he was a lightweight. He was from New York, though. He was a nice guy. I never thought of him in that way. He was, but a nice looking guy, too. But a nice guy. And he got all silly. And I'm like, get off me. Get off me. Get off before you know what had happened. And I was just like, wow. And I left the rest of the bud with him and and walked out. And that did not affect me in the way that being date raped by Sherrick, the R&B singer of the game song, uh, Call Me, I believe the song is called. Uh, or just call. You can Google him. Uh, he's dead now. Um, yeah. But but he was a very good looking man in a debarge kind of way. Yeah. Did you ever confront him? Did you ever get a chance to, to say, listen, you did this to me? No. Did you deal with it? No. No. 
And I never told anyone. And I never told anyone. And I never thought that I asked for it. I never thought, what was I wearing? How did I lead him on? But I can tell you what I did that um, other women, uh, well, I advise you not to go to a hotel room with a man by yourself that you don't know. Just because he's R&B, number one R&B song in the country. And he was in DC to do press and have a, a celebration party. And he wanted me to be his date. He flipped the interview on me, you know, saying, yeah, you're really cute. You know, how old are you? And I said, old enough. And, you know, being smart, you know, a little high, you know, and, 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 and pulled together already. I never went to work looking like a bum. I always went to work like I'm somebody and you never know what's going to happen after. So when he asked me to go to his party, we left the station in his limo that was outside. I left my car in the parking lot. Um. Went back to his hotel and it was natural. Yes, he wants to take a shower and change into some other clothes. They had a big budget for him. I forgot what record label it was, but he it, this was glamorous and this was big for me. And I didn't act the groupie part, but I acted the groupie part. Like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm sure all he saw is me, all, all he saw from me was just another, you know, pretty face going through the motions. He never intended on taking me to that party. He overpowered me. He kept, he went and took a shower. And you'll see how this plays out in the movie. He went and took a shower, got out of the shower. I was handling my own business, sitting around waiting for him. We were the only two in the room. Uh, there was no security around or anything, nothing. And I never screamed. He dropped his towel. He told me what to do. And then he said, you can let yourself out. I never cried. I never asked why. I straightened myself up, tried to hold the tears until I got uh, into the cab. I had to call a cab. I didn't even wait for the doorman at this five-star hotel in DC to call me, you, you know, to hail. I didn't want anybody to see my runny mascara. And just so happens I had a pair of sunglasses because I hadn't been home all day. My shift was three to seven, so I had sunglasses all the time. Um, I put on my sunglasses and got in the cab, took the cab back to the radio station and drove myself home went inside, took a shower, and scrubbed my body, uh, washed myself really well, didn't even think of going to a hospital or calling somebody. Yeah. Except when I got out, you know, and got high still. Um, but, you know, I lived by myself. Um, I called home, and mom answered the phone. She was making dinner, and uh, I said, I want to talk to daddy. And daddy was watching um, football and he was distracted like men are. And I'm like, dad, no, you know, when I played it off, like I'm not crying. I, I told him, I just called to say, I love you. And wow, this is a really crazy industry. He's explaining to me, I should just come home. He's not yelling at me. He's being loving. Just come home. My old bedroom was waiting. We didn't grow up rich, but we grew up in a nice house in, in a town where, you know, most of the people had more than we did, but my parents sacrificed to be there. And it was during Reaganomics when everybody thought that their parents had money. You know, I had my own bedroom. There were two beds in there, lots of books and, you know, come home, Wendy. And um, I said, no, and, you know, one day, one day. How did you see. process, how did you process all of that, Wendy, that what happened that night? Especially <laughs> after what happened to you in college, like when you weren't telling anybody, how do you get up and go to work the next day? How do you get on with life? 
Yeah, I didn't take off the next day. I had to get on in life because my mom and dad um, didn't have a, a legacy to leave me. They couldn't pick up the phone and call somebody and say, my, my daughter wants a job at your radio station. They weren't those kinds of people. Their connections were in um, um, charity work and for sorority and fraternity work and, and um, the church. And things like that. Those aren't the people, those are nice people, but that's not what I wanted to be for my career. I wanted to be a radio personality and they knew nobody. So I really didn't have a choice. And by the way, after I got off my three to seven shift that next day of being raped, I had to, that was like on a, like a Friday or something because I had to drive up here and be on, on the weekend in New York. Yeah. And on, on that drive, it was just like, you do what you have to do. And I don't regret it. You're such a strong person. And one of the things that I loved about you listening um, to you back in the day is that you were never afraid of celebrities because there, there was a thing in the industry where it's like, don't say anything about celebrity because then they won't come back on. They won't endorse our products. They won't be. But you didn't care about that. You would just say it. I still your your interview with Whitney Houston is still the best interview that ever was with her. But you just kept it real. Were you ever nervous that in confronting these celebrities in this way that you'd get in trouble, that you'd get blackballed? Were you ever worried about that? Um, I was never worried about it. I never had a chance to worry about it because within like the first few days of being hired by Tony Gray at Kiss FM, and then Tony was only there, and he's iconic in the radio industry. Tony was only there for about a couple of weeks before they hired Vinnie Brown. And Vinnie's job was to take the station to number one. Yeah. And Vinnie's job was to play 12 songs in a row. You remember how that was? And, yeah. and make sure all the jocks read those liner sheets and the jocks were secondary to the music. That was Vinnie's job. And, and there I was, Wendy, and I would sleep in the jock lounge and I didn't have a cell phone. Cell phones weren't invented back then. I had a beeper and only Vinny had my beeper number. You know, you beat me when you need me. And by the way, uh, Vinny, no, you don't have to wait for me to come from Jersey. I am uh, in the jock lounge. <laughs> He's like, all right, well, so-and-so is not coming in tonight. You think you could do the shift? I was like, no problem. How long do I have? He said, well, um, Let's see. The last song from the previous shift is about to end. Get in there. And I would get in there and do it. Or he'd say, you have four hours. And I would say, well, you want to go out for lunch or something? You, you treat. Uh, and Vinny liked to eat. Vinny liked to talk. Vinny was a real person. And I got to know him not just as my boss, but he became my friend and eventually a fan, which is great. That's great. And he loved all that juicy stuff because Vinny usually was in the same parties I was in. Well, and then the and then well, the ratings came with it, right? So he really loved that. Oh, well, that's the thing. The ratings came with it, but Vinny had a soft spot for just Wendy. Mm. He began to have a soft spot for just Wendy. And a lot of people, uh, most of them, I think, in the documentary, no matter what they thought about me, they began to have a soft spot for just Wendy. And I think all of them thought that I was a physically abused woman. And Kevin has done a lot of awful things, but he's never put his hands on me mm. ever, ever, ever. And I'm glad you're answering that because a lot of people assume that. A lot of people always assume that there was physical abuse. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know what? I never even bothered telling people there wasn't until now. The reason why is because then people would say, oh, you're lying. And when people see the documentary, they're going to say, oh, you're lying. That One out of the two of you girls thinks, oh, you're lying. Here's my... Um, 
advice, my takeaway. And there's a lot of tidbits of advice that I try to give in the movie that are just things that if you haven't gone through it, I've done it for you. So you don't have to do this. And you can either take my story and think it's a bunch of crap and live your life, or you can take little tidbits and don't go down that road. Um, and, and Kevin's presence was loud, boisterous, Negro-ish, Negroidian. He's from Brownsville. You know, I'm an innocent white girl in black skin from Ocean Township, New Jersey. You know, I can't, she can't defend herself against, you know, such a big brute. And why isn't she using her loud mouth? Why is it that Wendy can get on the radio and say whatever to whoever celebrity and be fearless about it? But when it comes to Kevin, see people who knew me and saw our interaction, yeah. would never see me disrespect him in front of them. Yeah. And because we had the boy at home uh, and for part of our marriage, always had a live-in housekeeper, um, then a nanny, two separate people, then a chef who would come in. And I would never raise up to my ex-husband. I would plot on him and I won. And, and some people might say, well, no, you didn't win, Wendy, because you lost, you know, Kevin. And I think that you still love him and you want him back. I don't still love Kevin. I have love for him. Kevin will never step foot in my building. This one, the one across the street or the one I live in. Do you understand? Amen. Amen. Yeah. There's a picture of him from day one of that divorce. And when I moved into my apartment before the divorce at the desk, they know, see this man right here. Don't let him in. Don't let him in. And, <laughs> and, and, you know, my bosses here, including the people at Denmark Mercury, they didn't know how to approach Kevin. So if it made Wendy happen, happy, then we put up with Kevin. And you see that played out in the documentary. Uh, my coworkers here, you know, my staffers, I know that they felt horribly sorry for me because they saw jovial Wendy walking around in her robe, laughing and stuff. And then we were all have a really good common people time. And then we'd hear his footsteps and we would scatter. And yeah. sometimes we wouldn't hear his footsteps and he would walk softly to try to listen and then come around and say, what you doing out here? The show's been over for three hours. Why don't you go home? Why, <laughs> why ain't you home? What you doing with your robe on like that? I said, Kevin, first of all, uh, the robe is fashion. Second of all, the show was over for three hours, but I'm trying to learn. I was talking to Joni in lighting. I'm talking to the crew about the cameras. I, it, you know, this one right here just had a baby. You know, this one right here just got married. I was up. I was in the. I, I was in the booth talking to my director, and you know, I was on the on the phone in my office because sometimes doing office work is better in the office than at home. You know, um, and he wouldn't understand that. He just said, "Get in the office." You know what I do, girls? I turn around put my head down and walk in my office knowing when I stick it to him, he's going to regret the day he met me. Not the day he cheated on me. <laughs> he's going to regret the day he met me because the hell that I will bring him when he, a sophisticated hell. Yes. He'll regret it. And the other part, wait, let me just say this real quick. And the other part is, I couldn't say this to my staffers and, and, and things like that. I just wanted them to observe it because I was busy plotting. I didn't want to talk. I just wanted to get in my own head yeah. you know, and plot. But I always said and prayed to God, whoever stays around, 
is gonna get the best new me that they could possibly get from any talk show host on TV, daytime or nighttime. And these people here who work with me, my family, they can tell you, it's an open door policy. Now I walk around in my robe, I sit forever, I bring tuna fish sandwiches, hey, try this. They, they cook at home, and, hey, why do you try that? It's a, it's a good time and we work very hard and his presence is definitely not missed by me or them. And the I'm audience, because we feel it. We, we feel yeah, it. you can yeah. feel it. I'm glad you, you got to the other yeah. side of that. Your people are texting us like crazy saying that we have to wrap it up and you have to go. But one last question, because you mentioned, you know, uh, folks having a soft spot for you. And I just wanted to, I've been dying to ask you this. Has there ever been a moment um, throughout your career, uh, Wendy, where you had a soft spot for someone and said, you know what, I'm not going to ask this question. I'm going to, I want to ask it. I know people want to know it, but I'm going to hold back. Have no. you ever done that? No. <laughs> Why not? Cause I don't know. I don't know how to be that. <laughs> you know, I, I won musical chairs at the birthday party. That's why we love you, Wendy. Uh, That's uh, you know you're going to ask the question. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I do. I do have a piece of a soft spot for women who don't have children. You know, I'm 56. I know I went through miscarriages. I was not infertile. I was fertile as I don't know what. I had a weak cervix. I had to be on bed rest. I could not have sex for the full year because I didn't want to excite the area and have him early. Uh, but now... That's the one thing that I don't ask women unless they bring it up themselves. You know, yeah. after a particular age, I think society expects us to have procreated. And that's a rude question to ask a woman. So I don't. However, I can say as a mother that you're missing out on something special, even if you just have one. Steal one. Steal one. Adopt. <laughs> one. I got you know three. what I'm saying? Go to the smart bank. Save your eggs. Do something. has three. We I have, have three. Thank you so much. Your people are going to kill us if we do yes. go come back to our podcast Please. anytime. We love you, Wendy. Thank, Thank you, you, girls. Bye. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. That was quite the exit. <laughs> that was a great exit. That was awesome. That was awesome. Well, Wendy was fabulous. Yes. I hope you'll come back. Hopefully, yes, because, you know, she is my friend in my head. So, uh, you know, in my in my mind, she's my homegirl. And so yeah. like, I need that to be real in the real life, real world. I think I love she loves her. you. And I love that she is watching you on television every night. I love that she's really into that. That That is that is wonderful. I yeah. love that. So listen. Every so often, and I'm always just thrilled to hear from her. I just think she's just wonderful. So let's, add, let's talk about what you're going to do for you this weekend, since you have weekends off now. Sleep. <laughs> are you no seriously, are you? no seriously i sleep in i i wake up i wake up at about nine because i like to watch ali velshi shows so i try to catch at least the second hour of his show so i i literally wake up when my mom when my brain wakes me up which is usually around then and i watch ali i watch um tiffany or jonathan's show and then i go about my day i literally use my weekends to do nothing my okay. my favorite thing to do on the weekends is just putter around the house you know fix up my bookshelves and open packages that I haven't opened and have a sip of, you know, Prosecco with some St. Germain. I love doing nothing. It's my favorite thing now. That. Yeah, That pleases me so to hear that that is what you will do with your weekend. I I spend my weekends working on my vegan, sexy, cool blog yes. and podcast because I got to get it in. But I mean, not entirely, but yeah. it's like, I like slowing down on the weekend and really taking my time to write and just plan ahead. It's my passion. So I love it so much. 
Um, so that's what I'll be doing this weekend. No, wait a minute. It's my birthday, Saturday. Wait a minute. Hold oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm going, I am, go I'm not going to tell you where until our next podcast, but okay. I discovered a place that the next time you in, are in New York, um, that you should go to, I can't go to it with you yet, Okay. But it is, and it's a rooftop with all these little glass houses that are heated and you oh. can go and order cocktails and drinks and everything. And when you order, you order the food on an app. So you never interact with the waiter. They right. leave the food on a table outside, Oh, drinks and cocktails, and it's heated and you can have up to 10 people inside. And all you see is just Manhattan all around you. It is. What? Yes. Yeah. Okay, I need you to text me the name of that. I'll do that. But don't you be having no 10 people at no birthday. You better girl, go. No, you, girl, you, uh -uh. Okay. nobody but me and my boyfriend. You and your boyfriend. You nobody else. You don't take up the whole space. That's correct. Think, and you we, you need we, extra space. You need, because you don't want nobody else breathing near you. No, but girl, I ain't crazy. You know, yeah. I don't play with the COVID. I don't no. play with COVID. Ain't nobody That's coming. No. It's just the two of us. Girl, we're going to be black and bring an iPad. So we yes. can watch some movies up in there. Yes. Um, so I'm excited about that. So yeah, that is what I'm doing this weekend, celebrating my birthday. Well, happy birthday, birthday, cousin. Happy birthday, birthday you're a little 30. You're going to have your, your, your pretty 30. We love that. Exactly. Milestone. Wow. <laughs> Milestone. <laughs> you're legal. <All> right. <laughs> well, listen, well, you guys, want to let you guys know that you can watch Miss Joanne Reed every Monday through Friday. It feels so good to say that. At <laughs> 7 p.m. on the readout. Absolutely. And you can, of course, watch Miss Jackie Reed on New York. Ooh. The show that she's the star of, uh, and you can watch that month. There are two stars. I have a co-host. I don't. I don't know who that is. Sarah but, Gore. You know, but I know Jackie's on there, and there's another lady. And Go on. Monday through on NBC. Uh, oh my God, my brain isn't working. You're at one o'clock at NBC. I'm not even New York. No, eleven thirty at eleven thirty. Long time. Eleven thirty. Eleven thirty. And then in Austin, in Boston, yes. in Boston, it's at one o'clock. So it's at different times. But you guys need to get that on down here. I know we're. Come bring it to the DMV. I system. know. I wish bring we it. could. I wish bring we it. could. And you guys anyway. follow me on vegansexycool.com so you can Absolutely. find it or follow me on social media at vegansexycool or at Jackie Reed. Or at um, Jackie Reed because but, you can all see Jackie's fashion and all her cute little clothing fashions, which she always gives you little fashion tips. And yes, follow vegansexycool.com so you can get all sorts of wonderful treats that you can eat between your steaks. Stop it. No steak <laughs> eating. No in between. You're giving it up. All right. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in for this fabulous show. We're back. Yay, we're back. Woo! Yay, us. Bye, everyone. Bye.